Blog Talk Radio. Who will complete us? Who will 
when we find that perfect relationship, then we will feel um, whole again. And that's based on the idea that love is somewhere outside of ourselves that we have to seek rather than it's, it's, an, it's an experience that's pervasive, uh, that, that love is something that is integral to who we are in our experience of the world because we're really not separate from the world. So that was the first part. The second part is talking about, well, what is that relationship with yourself? And from the, the depth and analytical psychological point of view, uh, a la uh, Carl Jung, we're talking about the shadow self here. So what is, what is your awareness of your shadow and, how, and have you, um, are, are you conscious of what that shadow is or are you trying to hide from it? So again, there's a sense of seeking refuge in, in our partner under the illusion that somehow that will protect us from this shadow, that we no longer have to deal with this uncomfortable, tense relationship with this darker side of ourselves. But in fact, that darker side of ourselves is there to teach us something. It's the aspects of our uh, ego, really, that uh, that are uh, hiding, if you will, the, the misconceptions about... Um, who we are in relation to what we, you know, think we should be in the world, et cetera, et cetera, apart from who we really are whole as, you know, a, a divine being that is born perfect. You know, when we're first born, we're not thinking about any of these things. Everything's taking care of us. So we, we really have no concern for or regard for whether we're measuring up in the world. And that's something that's learned, and it's, again, distorted by all the messages that we get from society. So from that second part, we're looking at, you know, how do we know that we're really choosing from a healthy place? Are we able to really receive love? Are we operating from that intact whole self-worth that we are in the embodiment of love because we are of the same divine source that the universe is? And therefore, how can we be separate from it and how can we expect that there's something that needs to be fulfilled or filled or completed in ourselves that's only assuming that there that we are something other than what the universe is which is full of infinite possibility and so that sets us up to ask the question if if uh if we're operating from a place where we know deep down as opposed to think or believe that, that is integral to who we are, that we can get what we really, really, really want? And are we in touch with what we really want on a level of deserving it? Or are we prone to just accepting what we think we can get? In other words, what people call settling. Settling for something. Because we will, in that case, be trading off uh, what we really want, which is true security for or pardon me, true, which is true safety for us, for security. And security is not safety quite in the same way. Safety is that we are really protecting ourselves and we are really honoring ourselves. I don't want to look at it as a, as a secure, you know, safety issue per se, but it's just a convenience of language. Security is more about certainty, which is an illusion, of course, because we're all going to age and eventually die, and the people around us are as well. So the sense of certainty about life is very... Uh, untenuous or untenable. So, uh, so we we will trade off what we what is really good for us based on a conscious awareness and connection with our true self 
worth and who what our being is. I mean, we have to have a personality, and we all have an individual spirit. And so, naturally, what what you will uh, resonate with is what is from a healthy place is is in harmony with who you are. Um, I tell a story, and I, I'm not sure if I've told it on the program. I don't believe that I have, but um, I. I was working at a music store, a big music store, in a major center in Canada. <clears throat> Pardon me. And uh, I was near the closing of the store, and there was uh, a guitar department that had probably a hundred acoustic guitars, if not more, and they were all hanging from by their neck headstock. And the manager of the band department, just for fun, came down with a tenor saxophone and blew a concert pitch A. Now, most of these guitars were tuned to standard tuning, which is A440. And so at that pitch, blowing a, a tone, a whole note tone, in A440 on that saxophone will create what's called sympathetic vibration. So you have a harmonic resonance that's generated by, this, by the coherent sound wave uh, the same uh, frequency on the on the sound spectrum as the, what those guitars are, what their home frequency is. So he blows the big note, and all the guitars vibrate in in harmony. So he had a hundred guitars, or let's say plus or minus tuning issues, but they're all relatively in the same key, and so that means that they might vibrate less, or and, you know take a little longer, or you know stop vibrating sooner. But relatively speaking, most of those guitars started to throb and 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 uh, vibrate and resonate, and so you could hear that A cascade and escalate. It was a fantastic experience, and it was almost like a domino effect that just one by one the guitars all started to sing at that resonant frequency. So from our relatively <laughs> perfect tuned instrument of ourselves. That is our natural self, which will have its own resonance frequency. Uh, when something speaks to us in an authentic way, it's going to uh, create that sympathetic vibration in us. So a piece of music or um, literature or uh, a certain scent of a flower or uh, any experiential thing in life, any experience that we encounter that moves us, literally. The idea of moving, being moved. Your mind is moved and therefore your emotions are stirred up. And sometimes it moves your body. You hear music, you want to dance or you want to exercise or um, you, know, you hear the sound of birds and you want to go outside and have a look and see the birds flying across the sky or whatever it is. So there's that sense of movement there. So we are moved. We are touched and moved by acts of kindness, generosity, uh, tenderness, etc. You know, in a movie scene, for example. But when someone writes us a Valentine's card, it's touching, it's moving. And what's moved is that there's something about that person, the exchange, and the chemistry between you that, that um, is real. So again, going back to the first part of the series, <clears throat> the danger is sometimes that chemistry can be wrong. So, because the chemistry is based on um, someone who on the surface seems to be moving us, but they may be um, vibrating a different frequency rather than our resonant frequency. They may be 
creating a vibration in us, but it's based on something that needs to be healed rather than what is naturally there. And so that's what we're going to get into today very briefly is talking uh, in the third part here about what what if, because most of us have some kind of issues or wounds from our past, what if the perfect partner for us is the one who's going to, uh, you know, help us find that resonant frequency? And in the process of doing so, it may break up certain uh, crusted over armored aspects of ourselves that that en route to to so for example, sound can be quite shattering. We know that again with the right frequency you can break glass because you're finding the resonant frequency of that glass where its structure falls apart. But sound can also be destructive in a, in a coarser way. You know, a bomb creates a shockwave, for example, and the ground will move and air, you know, sound is really air moving through space. So sometimes that can be um, in the case of, for example, um, an ultrasound. An ultrasound can pass through your physical body and help um, send images back, uh, creating a map on a screen to see what's what's there. Um, but also sound can be um, discordant, so you can hear the sound of a jackhammer, and it's it's harsh to your to your brain and to your nervous system. So sometimes, because of our resistance and because of the things that we need to heal, um, the uh, what at first appears to be someone who um, is our perfect match may not ultimately be our perfect match because all they're going to do eventually, and we've all experienced this, is you know three months or six or eighteen months into a relationship, we find ourselves you know all of a sudden from this symphony we heard of you know, love at the beginning, romance, I should say, the honeymoon stage of the relationship becomes this discordant nightmare of who is this person and now you have this cacophony of noise and and argumentation and irritation. And if that disruption later in the relationship, um, if you can consciously see that it's really just a mirror for the own noise, the noise within yourself, then it can lead to harmony in relationship. But that requires, again, symphony. It requires synchrony, actually, which is, means the the simultaneous harmony between the two parties. So let's backtrack a second, because I know this can sound a little confusing. But essentially what it means is nobody can make you really upset unless you're already prone to being upset about something. Right? We all have people in our lives who, who, who cause this great irritation. And it's very easy to say that that other person is there to irritate us because, well, not because, but they, they, they do irritate us because of their habits. And there's something we just don't, our personal preferences, we don't like that person. We don't want them in our lives. But the degree to which they upset us is really about us. And so when we're seeking out to attract the perfect partner into our lives, oftentimes they show up, maybe not at the beginning, because we are, as I said previously, we're seeing through that filter of idealized love. We're trying to overcome the unfulfilled needs of our childhood or wishes of our childhood, or we really are just an extension of that of that um, becoming ourselves, that differentiation process of development, that, okay, we had a mom and dad, great. Now we want to be with our own person. and But we're still 
seeing it through that idealized haze, even neurochemically, with all the dopamine release and, and all the love drugs going off in your brain, you are still seeing that person through a projection of what they mean to you, rather than who they really are within themselves. So the person who shows up may actually become the most irritating person to you. And we've all experienced this. You know, how is it this person that I, I do, you know, when I met them, we all we liked the same movies and we liked the same restaurants and we laughed at the same things and we could finish each other's sentences and everything was kind of perfect. They were so kind to us and, of course, we're putting on a really great show for each other. And uh, so what that means is that if this person who at, on some level satisfies our per- personal preferences and we are attracted legitimately sexually physical, physically attracted attracted to their mind and to their personality all of these things then why all of a sudden are we being set off sure there are certain things about themselves that they're going to show uh once they have again found the security of a relationship and now their truer nature is going to come forward but really the, the degree to which that is going to um, upset us is about us so what that means is that the person we attract, if it's a healthy relationship, is going to be the one who's going to most mirror what we need to work on. And so the, the key here then, which we'll get into in the next segment of the program uh, on, on Valentine's Day actually, is the degree to which you're willing to look at that and the degree to which you're able to catch yourself and recognize that that person is not you. They are a separate person, and though they may be triggering something within you, they are their own person. And so really it becomes about appreciating that person as already perfect. They are already unto themselves. Again, from that first uh, introduction to the world where we are infants and we are without you know, conditional approval of, of who we are in the world, we're just unconditionally loved. Somehow that changes. And so you can look at the beginning stage of the, of the relationship like infancy. And where do we stop appreciating the other person as this perfect being, like a baby? And that's when they start to bother us. And so if you can look at the other person as already being perfect and see that it's really just a reflection of what bothers you about yourself, then you will allow yourself to be loved. Then you will allow yourself to receive that unconditional love from the other person and recognize that what needs to let go is the conditional idea of love that you have habituated to. The sense that there's something you need to prove or there's someone else that needs to come along to validate who you are in order to be whole. And when you can allow yourself to be as you are and be loved as you are through loving someone else as they are, then you are in a healthy, conscious relationship. Well, that's a lot packed into today's program. I left the time uh, run a little longer today because there is so much information here. Um, But we're going to get into that and extend this idea further on, on Valentine's Day on how to be the perfect partner rather than looking for the perfect partner. And I hope that uh, is exciting to you, and you have a terrific day, and we'll see you on Thursday again on The Mind Whisperer. My name is Michael Gordon. It's been a pleasure to host you. Be well.